my name is Jane Levy and I'm an Associate Director at Red Sea. Um, you're very welcome to the latest in our series of Red Sea Talks. Uh, today I'm going to be talking to a director here at Red Sea, Kira Riley. And Kira's going to be talking to us today all about a very hot topic in marketing at the moment, which is CEPs. So hi, Kira. how are you this morning? I'm great, Jane. Thank you very much. We're getting to do this nice and early, so great start to the day. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, so we'll get straight into it, Kira. I suppose, firstly, can you explain what CEPs are and where the thought process behind them originated from? So sure, Jane, um, but I suppose you might have to hang in with me um, here for a bit because um, I suppose CEPs are quite a new way of thinking for marketers. And I think it's important really that we get a bit of understanding of the background of CEPs, um, or as the full name is, category entry points. CEPs provide marketers like ourselves with a new way of thinking about brands. Um, so the concept or the theory of CEPs is straight out of the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, where Byron Sharp and Jenny Romanek have really laid down what can be known as, I suppose, the basic laws of how brand grows. Um, and these CEPs are a fundamental component of ensuring your brand grows and has long-term success. Um, so I suppose to go into it a bit more, CEPs provide um, a means of growing brand availability. And what they do is that they define cues or entry points for a brand. And by cues, I mean, you know, purchasing situations in which a brand either currently is or could be recognized or present in. And this can really be anything from feeling thirsty to feeling lucky to, you know, driving home from work when we did drive home from work um, standing in a checkout queue, something like that. Um, and I suppose with any of these and, you know, the way the mind works, when you're thinking about a situation, brands and categories start to pop into your mind. Um, so I suppose if I just give an example there of what I'm talking about. So if I would say to you, or if you're feeling thirsty, you might think, oh, I want to get a drink. What type of drink do you want? Or what might instantly go on in your head? I'm not saying that this is something that happens with the long out thought process, but what can instantly happen is, oh, I want a drink. I want a soft drink. Oh, I, I'd love a club orange. Um, whereas if I was standing at a checkout queue, I might be thinking of, oh, um, I wonder if the latest RT guide is out or what magazines are available that I might want to pick out. Um, but I suppose the opportunity with CPs and where CPs really come into play is to extend your brand into all of these different purchasing situations. So I suppose if we go back to the likes of Thirsty, um, you know, what some brands take, for example, LucasAid, are they considered um, when you think about thirsty? Or if we're going back to the checkout queue, could, you know, buying a lottery ticket be thought of then? So, Kira, you just, you mentioned uh, mental availability there. What exactly do you mean by mental availability? Well, I suppose that's a really good question, Jane, and something that I just glossed over. Um, but Mental availability is really one of the fundamental theories that um, is there to ensure long-term brand growth. Um, and I suppose it's easy to think, well, I already know about mental availability. I always knew that spontaneous brand recall or awareness was important. But the thing with mental availability is that it goes much beyond that. It goes um, far beyond spontaneous awareness. And it refers to the probability that a consumer will notice um, or recognize your brand in a relevant buying situation. So it's not just when we ask you about um, what brand of soft drinks are you wherever you might think of Club Orange, it's when you are thinking about, about thirsty or getting a drink that you think of a brand um, such as Club Orange. 
So having real mental availability means that your brand is firmly situated in the memory structures of consumers um, in all situations relating to your brand. But of course, to grow CEPs, you have to define them first. And look, we know this isn't an easy exercise, but and it is a bit of a new approach and how you think about brands. Um, but the fact of the matter is that a lot of brands are maybe already doing this, but just don't even realize it. Okay, so okay, so we're still, I suppose, for, for the listeners trying to understand category entry points. So can you explain a bit more um, about how you go about defining CEPs? Like what would you need to do? Sure. So um, I suppose to define a CEP, um, we really just need to th- take things back to basics. Um, and I suppose what as a marketing team, it's helpful just to take a step back from where you have been and really look at your brand in the, from a consumer perspective. Um, so you want to look at all the current or potential buying situations or read the cues that your brand could come to mind in. We're not just talking about the point of purchase here, though. We're including cues long before then. So when you might see or do something and a brand or product will really just pop into your head. Um, and I suppose we're lucky enough that the Ehrenberg Bass Institute has already compiled a shortcut of how we can define CP. So obviously been really helpful here. Um, and what they've done is that they've defined a number of different categories to go through. So each of these categories will help us and will help marketers to think about brands or your brand in a different light and by going through them all you then organically start to define a list of potential CEPs and I suppose what I'm saying potential and what I really need to mention here is that um, there you can come up with many many CEPs but obviously we need to drill down into the CEPs that are going to be beneficial really to you and things that, and CEPs that you can work with. And I suppose the other thing that we need to bear in mind is that CEPs are not just functional, they can also be emotional factor, factors. What I mentioned earlier, um, you know, was the checkout, feeling thirsty, but it could also encompass things like, as I mentioned, feeling lucky. And these could be even extended further. Um, so I suppose maybe just to help define them, Jane, if you wouldn't mind, you know, um, doing a little pop quiz. Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's go. Right, throwing this on you here. Um, so I suppose I will mention just a few different buying situations. And maybe if you could think of what brands or categories pop into your head when I say them. So you ready? Let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what about um, when you're thinking of a treat? Um, when I'd be thinking of a treat, it would be maybe my favorite biscuit, like a, a chocolate digestive or something like that, or my favorite chocolate bar, like a, a Cadbury's Boost, um, or a Super Value, or doing a wine sale, or something like that. Yeah, just some, some of those things that you consider treats. Yeah, that last one, Jane, is a bit more down my line. Um, and I suppose that, you know, that kind of tells us that there's lots of different occasions. Um, what about, you know, when you're driving home from work? Do you ever think of brands when you're driving home from work or even categories when you're driving home from work? You know, what comes into your head? Okay, well, when I'm driving home from work, as you said earlier, back, back, back in, the, in the day, um, well, I always listen to 2FM, uh, Jenny Green in, in the evening. So 2FM would come to my mind. Um, sometimes I might stop off in a, in a shop on the way home to get myself something or even a, maybe a 
lottery ticket if I'm if I'm feeling lucky. Um, and even, you know, things like my car insurance is up in August. So that could pop into my head if I'm in my car driving home from work. Just just things maybe that I have to do. So I suppose, Jane, you know, being my guinea pig for now, uh, sorry about that. Is there anything that, I don't know, you took from our little exercise there? I suppose what really strikes me is that there are so many different categories that I mentioned that are linked back to one occasion. So am I right in saying that? Yeah, and I suppose, Jane, that's a really good point. Um, and it's something that is one of the best findings that a brand can get out of doing a CEP exercise. And that is to truly understand the category set. Um, or, sorry, the competitive set. And I think it's really easy for a brand, or not, no, not so much easy, but it's, it's the norm for you to say that your brand is operating in a very specific category. What you mentioned there included wine, it included biscuits and chocolate. Um, but of course, if you are a wine brand, historically, you might only be worried about other, other brands of wine um, that would be next to you or across the, the um, off-license. Um, or even maybe a brand of beer or spirits. Um, but I suppose what this exercise shows us is that in the treat CP, wine is actually competing with so much more. It's competing with confectionery, it's competing with biscuits, it's competing with, you know, ice cream potentially. And it's all based on the mental structures in your mind. And when you're thinking of a treat, what one comes to mind? Now, obviously, there will be occasions in which wine might dominate or chocolate might dominate, but it's about making sure that your brand is within that memory structure so that when you're thinking of a treat, that brand comes to mind. So you mentioned something there that I'm wondering, you, when you define CPs, like then what happens? So what can marketing departments um, for companies actually do with all of this information? Another really valid question, Jane, and I suppose this is where it really gets interesting. Um, because marketing departments have to then be able to use these CEPs to grow the number of occasions or cues in which your brand is thought of. Um, and I suppose the marketing department ultimately has to decide what CEPs are they going to be able to work with. So um, to do this, they need to be able to define, I suppose, a couple of measures, and we won't go into the too much details on it, but you know, which CPs happen most often? Because there's no point in going after a treat, for instance, CP, if you're in the wine category, when that CP might be much um, less frequent than, oh, I don't know, just um, wanting to relax on a Friday evening at home, for instance, or buying a gift for going to somebody else's house. So you need to define a couple of things first. But when it comes down to it, you really just need to, to understand which you can actually work with. And by work with what we're, we are actually working with other companies to do is understand how and which CPs can be woven into their communications plans. So into the advertising that they develop, into the marketing content that they um, design for going on social and uh, through other standard media. So how... CPs are actually used is that you define the occasion 
And then you strategize into how you're going to build that occasion in the consumer mindset. So, yeah, it's really important for all companies, I suppose, to know this so they don't dismiss CEPs as a way of thinking moving forward. Okay, so let's just wrap it up now. And I think we're a lot clearer on, on CEPs. Are they a marketing tool that you think companies are going to be looking at uh, and using in the future? Um, yes, absolutely, Jane. Um, I think even if we just look at the way the current environment is, everything has changed. Um, you know, what we knew to be true is completely different you know for well for some brands the exact same but for many others so many variables have changed so i think now more than ever is a really good time for brands just to take a step back from um what they have been doing and just reassess the situation really look at it from a consumer standpoint and say you know how are consumers using my brand what are the occasions in which we could build on the mental availability and really try to extend um, these occasions because as I said everything's changing and um, you know we need to try and link brands with different occasions to ensure long-term success. Great Kira. listen thanks very much for that um, it was really interesting and um, I hope everyone listening uh, enjoyed our red talks today on what I mentioned at the start is a, is a hot topic in marketing um, if you have any questions on uh, CEPs, Kira and I, and of course a lot of the team in Red Sea have worked with many of our clients uh, on, on CEPs in the last number of months. So please get in touch if you have any questions or you'd like to discuss anything further in CEPs. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.